at you, but uh, it's really hard watching that. Um, and really, honestly, I went back and forth multiple times on whether we were going to show this because, um, honestly, I'm like, what if they are our first-time guests here? <laughs> they're going to think this is kind of weird that we're we're watching this. Um, just a bunch of different thoughts kept going back and forth. Um, but at the same time, it is Palm Sunday, and, and Palm and Palm Sunday on the church calendar is is the beginning of the Passion Week, which ultimately leads up to Good Friday, which Good Friday, the church, it, 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 it thinks about and dwells on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and really what can actually happen whenever we see something like, like this is we can feel really, really bad, and and we can um, just just be like, did it have to be that bad? You know, um, and, and, and this passion movie that Mel Gibson made uh, grossed over six hundred million dollars. Um, it was the largest grossing R-rated movie of all time up until Deadpool, <laughs> and, and Deadpool beat it, but it is still the largest grossing non-English speaking movie of all time, and um, s millions of people saw this movie, and probably a lot of people felt bad, maybe about their sin, what they've done, seeing Jesus crucified, or seeing Jesus portrayed crucified like that. And I think it made a lot of people feel bad, but I don't know if it brought a whole lot of change in people's lives. Because typically, the cross makes us emotionally feel bad. It's like, man, poor Jesus, poor God, having to go through that. And... But I, I don't think the point of the cross was to just make us feel bad for Jesus. The point of the cross wasn't just to kind of invoke in us this sort of emotional feeling of, man, I really feel bad that Jesus had to go through that. But I do think that, you know, it, it's good that on the church calendar we have this time set Aside, where we can dwell on and think about and reflect on the cross and what Jesus went through. Because we don't have crucifixion in our culture. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't know if you've seen anyone crucified. I haven't. Right? Like, we, we've never seen anyone crucified in this culture. And it's so easy for us, because it's not a part of our culture, to know the absolutely horrificness of it. Because we're not around it. We don't see it. We don't see it portrayed every single day. And really, thank thankfully, Hollywood, one of the good things about Hollywood is it can actually bring visuals of things that are not in our culture no more. But the cross, back in, in Jesus' day, it was a symbol of death, destruction, and fear. Rome, who came up with, cruci with crucifixion, if Rome was good at a few things, and Rome 
had a huge military, huge power. It dominated most of the known world for a long time. But if Rome was anything, if they were good at anything, if they got an A-plus in any area, it was knowing how to kill people. They were good. They would actually engineer. They, they would actually engineer ways to effectively get the most pain in the most amount of time for anyone that tried to come against Rome. Why? Because they wanted to be in control and they wanted power and they wanted everyone else to, to, to know. If you come against Rome, if, if you want to pull treason, if you want to pull some sort uh, of rebellion, yeah, try it on us. You'll see what happens. And crucifixion was their crown jewel of saying, this, if you come against Rome, you're going to be crucified. Crucifixion literally would, would get the most pain in the most amount of time because we think crucifixion kill, kills you because you get nails nailed into your hand, you, you get the, 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 the 40 lashes minus one even before you get crucified, which if you've seen the Passion movie, you've seen that scene where Jesus is getting whipped, the, 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 the glass spikes and bone spikes get into his skin, latch on, and then it's ripped off. You got crucified, or, 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 or you got whipped, then you actually had to carry your cross up the hill. They put you on the cross. They, they put your hands there, nailed them, your feet nailed them, a crown of thorns. But that's not what ultimately crucifixion, how crucifixion kills you. It actually kills you by, by and I'm going to say this right, asphyxiation, where you actually suffocate. You're down like this. Your arms are out and you're sagging. And the only way for you to actually stay uh, alive is to Bring yourself up and, and breathe. And people were like, suffocating is terrible. I'm going to bring myself up and feel pain. Rome genetically modified like the greatest form of pain that any person could ever possibly feel for the most amount of time. That is the cross. And since we don't see it in our culture much, it's hard for us to actually know that, but it was Rome's way of saying if you mess with our empire, this is what happens to people that mess with the Roman Empire. And that's why crucifixion was, is they would take the cross and put it up, and put it up high to let everyone else know if you mess with Rome, this will happen to you. But it's funny how the cross was ultimately a symbol of death, destruction, and fear, but now in our culture, it's turned to the ultimate symbol of hope. The cross has become the most widely recognized symbol in the, in the whole world. It marks more graves, graces more jewelry, sits atop more churches than any other design. Marketing. Marketers would love to have a brand like the cross. Businesses would love to have a worldwide market tool like the cross. And it was actually back in Jesus' day a symbol of death of death, destruction, and fear, but now it has turned to being the ultimate symbol of hope. Imagine somebody starting a movement in our culture and choosing the guillotine or choosing an electric chair as their symbol of hope. 
We'd be like, they need, they need Jesus. But you see here, what we see is Jesus took something that was supposed to be used for death, destruction, and fear. And he took it and turned it to be the ultimate symbol of hope, the cross of Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, when I watch this, there's th these flood of emotions and feelings and thoughts are just in me. Because I'm like, did it really have to be that bad? Like, did Jesus really have to go through that? I mean, wasn't there some other way? Even Jesus said in, in the Garden of, of Gethsemane, whenever he was praying and he knew what was to come, he, he knew God's plan. But he said this, yo, Father, if there's any other way that you can accomplish your plan, can you think of a plan B and let me do that? He said, God, if you got God, I know you got a couple plans. You got a plan B, C, D, I don't care. Give me a plan other than the cross. But he said, not my will, but your will be done. But in my spirit, in, in my heart, when I see that, I'm just flooded, man. Like, why did it have to be that bad? But at the same time, I'm flooded with the fact of, scripturally, what put Jesus there was sin. And sin, broken it down, if, if you're a brand new church world, sin, you've probably heard it, it is doing anything against God's glorious standard. It is doing anything against God's word. Mind, thought, deed, action, sin is ultimately rebelling against what God requires and saying, I know what's best. And this started in the very beginning in the book of Genesis. We see Adam, Eve, sin, they turned their backs on God and said, we want to do our way instead of your way. And since the beginning, sin has always brought separation and has always brought pain. It's always brought shame. It's always brought a debt. Sin separates and sin kills. Scripturally, we see it all throughout in so many different stories, Israel, the New Testament, we see what sin ultimately does. And, and it's hard not to look up on the cross and feel this sense of, yeah, I put him there. Romans 3.23 says this, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standards. That means you, that means me, that means every person that has walked this earth besides Jesus has sinned has turned our backs willingly on God, whether in thought, mind, deed, action. And when I see the cross, I see something that wasn't just done for me. I see something that was done by me. It was my sin. It was our sin. It was your sin. It was the world's sin that put him on the cross. And I don't know about you, whenever I see that weight and, and I kind of see that and, and feel that, it's hard for me not to feel this sense of debt that I owe God. And that's what we typically do. Whenever we feel sorry for what we've done against God, we typically feel this kind of weight, this kind of like debt that we're like, we got to pay it back. Like, I got to do something to make God like me again. I got to do something to make God love me again. Like, so... Then we get into this, all right, maybe I can earn God's love. Maybe I can purchase it. Maybe if I give enough money to the church. Maybe if I say the right things. Maybe if I do enough good things. Maybe if I walk enough old ladies across the street. Maybe if I go and do enough charity work. Maybe if I go and do volunteer work. God, anything, I'll do it. And we ultimately, what we try to do is we try to pay God back. But let me tell you, friends, 
Every person here, there's no good acts that you could ever do over a billion years to pay back your debt of sin that you owe to God. Nothing. Scripture even tells us this in, I believe it's Isaiah 53, that our righteous acts, Scripture says, are like filthy rags. You're like, well, then why do them? I agree. If anything I do isn't going to make God love me more, then why in the world would I do it? But you have to, to see, you have to understand and accept the fact you have a debt you can't pay. I don't know if anyone's been in debt. Debt stinks. Yes, some of y'all are like, okay, I hear you now, pastor. I understand this debt. I've, I was too little, little too happy with my credit card, four of them. And I know what that debt life is. And you know right now you can't pay it. And I don't even know if you're going to be able to pay it the rest of your life if you keep making minimum payments. Right, but you understand the fact of debt. And there is a debt when we sin that we can't pay God back to atone for what Jesus did for us. But that's where Jesus comes in. The whole story of, of Scripture and that we see in, in the Gospels is simply this. Jesus came and lived a perfect sinless life. Uh, and we see this attested to in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and we see all four of these Gospels attest to the fact that Jesus came and lived a sinful life. Even Jesus' brother. Like, if you know if someone knows you, it's your brother. It's your brother. They've been with you, lived with you, seen what you've done, the good, the bad, the ugly. They know if you've lived a perfect life. And even Jesus' brother said, this dude's perfect. Let me tell you, I've seen with my eyes how this dude has acted, the integrity he's walked with. The story of Scripture is Jesus came and lived a perfect, sinless life. He was tempted in every way we were because he was 100% man, yet 100% God. Tempted in every way we were, yet was without sin. And what we see in Jesus' life, he had a mission. He had a purpose, which he emphatically stated many, many times. I came to seek and save the lost. I'm on this, this planet to do God's will, to do God's, God's mi mission. It's not just to have fun. It's, it's not just to say a few cool, pithy quotes that people can take and just call me a good teacher for. He said, no, I'm on this planet to do one thing, to seek and save the lost people that I love. And Jesus came, lived a perfect, sinless life, and did what you and I just saw. He died on the cross in our place for our sins. Romans 3.24 tells us, tells us this, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Since Jesus said something interesting in John chapter 19, verse, verse 30. As he was on the cross, John, he writes this down. He says that Jesus said this. And what he said in this vi video was, it is accomplished. In scripture, in some tran translations, it says, it is finished. But let me get into this whole Greek word here. Because 
because we miss the power of, of, of this scripture if we just take it into account in what it translates to in the English language. Check it out. The Greek word for this is, and I'm probably going to slaughter this. I'm not a Greek guy, all right? It's tetelestai. Tetelestai. Let's dig in here. Tetelestai is the perfect indicative passive tense. There you go. Quote that. Tweet that. It's the perfect indicative passive tense of the Greek word telos, which means to end, to bring to completion, to bring to a conclusion, to complete, to accomplish, to fulfill, to finish, to, to finish or to pay a debt. The perfect tense, which isn't used many times in the New Testament, is a combination of two Greek tenses. The present tense and the, oh Jesus, aorist tense. The aorist tense is punctiliar, meaning this, something that happens at a specific moment in time. But that's not the only tense. It is also the present tense is linear. So, so basically what this is, is saying, this word here covers something that happens right now. But it doesn't just stop there. It's, it's meaning is something that continues on into the future and has ongoing results and implications. In other words, this, when Jesus says it is finished, he said right now at this moment, when I give up my spirit, I have accomplished the mission that God put me on this earth for. And that is to die for sin. But it doesn't just stop there. He says what I've done happens right now, but it also doesn't just stop here. It continues on. It's linear. It goes on into the future for all of time. What does that mean? Jesus paid for sin. Yes. Here's the deal. We're all going to sin, though, aren't we? We sin. The debt is paid. You sin. The debt keeps on being paid. You sin. The debt is paid. You sin. The debt is paid. When Jesus said it is finished, it wasn't just for, for that moment. It was for each and every sin that he knew you would commit for the rest of your life. No matter how much debt you conjure up, it is always paid. It is always covered. Why? Because Jesus paid the debt that you could not pay by dying the death you could not die on the cross. Why? Because he lived the perfect and sinless life that you could not and have not lived. That better be Jesus. Just saying. I'm just kidding. But check it out. you got to understand and realize what put Jesus on the cross was your debt. But what put Jesus on the cross was also his love. Because he loves you. I believe this, man. The cross, when, when we look at the cross, right, like I, I think we ultimately see in a weird way how it should be. Aaron Feist. I don't know if you, if, if many of you know Aaron Feist. He was the guy that gave his life in that horrific school shooting in Florida. The gunman goes in and just starts shooting. And this gentleman here, the JV football coach, realizes what's going on. There are shots being fired. There's kids being killed. And what does he do? He doesn't run. He runs in front of of students and ultimately gets shot and killed. And this man is now, and rightfully so, a hero. What gives us all the feels whenever we see something like, like that? 
I think it's because we ultimately know in our gut this is the way it should be. The powerful giving their lives for the powerless. The guiltless giving their lives for the guilty. The sinful, excuse me, the sinless giving their lives for the sinful. What we see in this story is the gospel story is these kids were helpless, but this guy came in and stepped in and said, I'll take the bullet that you were going to get. Why did, why, did, why did we feel there's just something in it? Because I think there's something inside of us that says, this is the way it should be. Why? Because it is. It's the gospel. Every good saving story is the story of the gospel. And God saving us. I think on the cross, we ultimately see justice had to be paid because we've sinned. Sin had to be atoned for. But now that it has been atoned for in Jesus Christ, by living a life you couldn't live and dying the death that you should have died in your place and for your sin, we see ultimately, emphatically, and clearly from the cross, Jesus is shouting, I love you. It's so funny how we can base God's love on so many different factors. I lost my job. God must not love me. My boyfriend broke up with me. He God, Jesus doesn't love me. And, and, and you, know, you know what? My car broke down. Jesus doesn't love me. It's like we can get all of these thoughts, and we base Jesus' love for us on circumstances. Which if we need to base Jesus' love on anything, it's not our circumstances. We need to base Jesus' love for us on the cross. And that forever shouts, that forever declares, that forever yells at us and shouts at us, not just us, but the whole world, Jesus loves you. There's nothing Jesus could ever do to, to show you any more that, that he loves you, even if he got the job you want, even if he got the wife that you want, even if he got the car you want, even if he got the house you want, even if you went and traveled the whole world like he wanted to. Nothing else will tell you or show you more about what God's love is like and who Jesus is than the cross. What if we stop basing how much God loves us on our circumstances and start, started basing it more on his act on the cross? I think some of us might have a little more self-worth. Like, you're worth it. Jesus said you're worth that. Maybe we would see things with a little better perspective. That it's not just all about you, it's about what Jesus has done. The cross forever declares that Jesus loves you. John 3, 16, one of the, for God so loved the world, love, that he what? He gave. When, when you love, you give. Jesus didn't love and take. His love drove him to give. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Unfortunately, what I see in church many times is kind of the cross is something that we kind of just like graduate from. All right, cross is awesome. Let's get something a little more spiritual here. Let's get into the book uh, of Revelation. I want to get deeper into prophecy. I want to get deeper into the, you know, the meat. Let me tell you, the cross is the meat. The cross isn't something you say, okay, that's awesome, great, I... I feel bad. Yes, Jesus died on the cross, and then move on. The cross is something not that you graduate from. The cross is something you continually run to every single day. 
because I believe on the cross we find everything that we could possibly need. Hebrews 12, 1 through 4 tells us this. NIV version here, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on who? Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the what? Cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Let me tell you what this is, is telling us. Whenever you're going through something, fix your eyes on the cross. Whenever you're walking through something, fix your eyes on the cross. Whenever you don't feel like it, fix your eyes on the cross. Whenever you're walking through something and you're like, God, how could you do this to me? Fix your eyes on the cross. Whenever someone that you absolutely love turns, turns their back on you, fix your eyes on the cross. No matter what you're going through, fix your eyes on the cross. Why? Because if you fix your eyes on the cross and you see what Jesus went through, it inspires you to say, if Jesus went through that, I can go through this. The cross is just not something that we just say, Jesus, is, Jesus, yes, Jesus did this for us. But at the same time, it inspires us to get through whatever trial, issue, whatever we have going on. Why? Because if the same Holy Spirit that lived in Jesus Christ got him through the cross, it can get you through anything that you're going through. Now, now this is a great version, but I love a different version of this translation. It's more of a... a paraphrased version message bible says it like this and, 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 I, and I just love it and I was like I'm going to read both of them because I can it says do you see what this means all these pioneers who blazed the way all these veterans cheering us on it means we better get on with it strip down start running strip down doesn't mean close it doesn't mean you know, go out and run a track naked or anything what that means is basically get the sin off you the stuff that is kind of spiritually holding you down, strip it off. Start running and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race wherein. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor not right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls in this all-out match against sin. Others have suffered far worse than you to say nothing of what Jesus went through. All of that bloodshed. Let me tell you what this says. The cross was done for you, yes, and you need to accept that by grace through faith. But if you have accepted that, you cannot live victoriously unless you live in light of the cross. What does it do? You fix your eyes on Jesus and you're like, yo, if that dude can go through that, bring it on. Bring it on. Whatever I got to go through to give God glory, I'll go through it. It's not about you. 
It's about him. And I love that we shoot adrenaline into your souls. Some of y'all need some adrenaline in your spirits today. And you've been looking and searching. Oh, maybe I'm just not praying right. Maybe I'm just not reading my word enough. Maybe I'm just not doing the right thing. No, you need a fresh view of the cross. You need a fresh revelation in your spirit, in your soul, in your mind of the cross of Jesus Christ, of what he went through for you. And knowing if he went through that, whatever you walk through, you will get through. Because the same Holy Spirit that lived in him and while he was on the cross told sinners that were killing him, he forgave them while they were killing him. That same Holy Spirit that lived in him lives in you. You got someone that you can't forgive, you need to see a fresh light of the cross. That you put him there. And because he forgave you, you can forgive anybody. Now, of course, that doesn't mean trust, but you can let it go because God let your stuff go. The only logical, you know, it's like, here's the thing. I'm not trying to garner some sort of feeling from, from you today. That's not my goal. Because churches can be good at that. Churches can be good at trying to garner feelings. But we're not in this. I'm not trying to get you to feel anything. When it comes to the cross, the most logical response, like if, if you're doing trading, the most logical response that we could ever make to the cross is surrender. Is to throw your hands up and be like, God, Jesus, if, if you've given everything for me and you did not hold nothing back, how in the heck can I hold anything back from you? The most logical response to the cross is your life. Not part of you, not a piece of you, not a compartmentalized, well, you know what, Jesus, I'll give you Sunday through Thursday, but that weekend, I'm turning up, right? God, you got a few days, five out of the seven, but I'll take the other two. No. It's every second of every day, 365 days. That doesn't mean you're not going to mess up. doesn't mean you're going to fail continually, but your debt is paid. Your debt has been paid. Not only has been paid, it will be paid. Why? Because Jesus said this, it is finished. The mission was accomplished. Your sin has been atoned for. So I don't know about you, but what that does for me is just make me say, Jesus, you gave it all for me. I'm giving it all for you. What if as a church we had that fresh revelation in light of the cross, we didn't hold nothing back from Jesus? Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart. That's kind of that inside feeling, emotional part of you. Your mind. That, that thinking logic side of, of, of you. You don't have to check your brain at the door if you follow Christ. Your heart, your mind, your soul, who you are, that unseen part of, of you. And, and your what? Your strength, your body, your physical body. My challenge to us today, church, is in light of the cross, that you would surrender. And I don't know what that means for you. Maybe that's for you today, giving your life to Christ for the first time. Maybe it's making a decision to accept by grace through faith what Jesus did on the cross for you. And having a moment in time that you make a, a decision to follow on. Maybe for you today, 
That is, you know Jesus. You've already accepted what he, what he did, but you're not living in light of the cross. You're feeling defeated. You're walking in defeat every single day when your destiny is for you to live in victory in light of the cross. As a Christ follower, you can't lose, y'all. Let me say that. You cannot lose. If something bad happens to you, Scripture says this, all things work to the good. Not that all things are good. There's a lot of things that suck. But God is so good, he will take whatever has worked, whatever was bad, and take it and make it work for your good. You can't lose, y'all. Your sins, your past, your mistakes, you can't lose. And it starts by looking at the cross and walking in victory. Let's pray, church. Can we all stand up? Jesus, we just come before you right now. Lord, I pray for each and every heart here, each and every mind, each and every soul. God, I pray that they'd have a fresh revelation as to who you are. That they would get to know in their spirits, in their hearts, what you did for them on the cross, in our place, and for our sin. With every head bowed, every eye closed right now. No, no one looking. I just want this to be a private time with you and God. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what surrender means for you today, but my challenge to us in light of the cross is to surrender. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would say, John, my decision today, my next step today in light of the cross is to surrender my life to Jesus for the first time. To receive by grace through faith what Jesus did on the cross for me and my sin. If that is you, all I'm going to ask you to do really, really quick, I'm going to count to three. Whenever I do that, if if you would, just take your right hand and put it up. I just want to know who you are so, so I can see you. I promise we're not going to embarrass you. I promise we're not going to call you out. I just want to know who you are so we can pray for you. If that's you, you want to surrender your life to Jesus today for the first time. When I count to three, lift up hand. Ready? One, two, three. Anyone here? Anyone here? Anyone here? Anyone here? Good. Thank you. 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 See that hand? Thank you. You can put it down. Maybe today you say, John, I need to surrender some parts of my life. In light of the cross, I need to surrender. I'm not walking in victory. I'm walking in defeat. And I need a fresh revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ. If that is you, put your, put your hand up. I want to know who you are so I can pray for you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? This is what we're going we're gonna to do. We're, we're going to pray first off for those that lifted their hand to surrender their life to Jesus. We're going to pray together, all of us. We're going to pray out loud and we're going to join in with, with those that are saying that, that are saying this prayer today for the first time. Let, let's, let's, join, let's join in with the Lighthouse family and, and repeat after me. Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for dying on the cross in my place and for my sins. I receive by, by grace through faith what you did on the cross. I believe that I am a new person because of your sacrifice. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, 
thank you. I receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lifehouse, let's give it up for those that said that prayer today for the first time, whether they lifted up hands or didn't. Listen, if you said that prayer today for the first time and you genuinely meant it, you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, we want to connect with you. We don't want you to walk out of this place. We want to be able to get your name, personally meet you, and, and be able to put a few things in your hands to, to help you in next steps. So right after, so right after, so just take the card you received walk, walking in, you card, fill that card out on the back, but there is a box that says, Jesus changed my life today for the first time. If you would check that box, come out to the next steps booth and we want to connect with you on this journey of following Christ and help you. Right now we're going to to, tra to transition into a time of communion and we are going to, if you don't have communion elements, if you would raise, raise up, hand, someone will get one to you. I actually need one. I'm sorry, Martha. I wanna... Thank you so much. Right now, we're just going to, in light of this time here, we're just, just going to take some, a few seconds, moments here just to reflect. And there's no better time to do that than communion, where we think about and dwell on the sacrifice that Christ made for us. And that's what this time ultimately is. These are just symbols. This, this, this cup and this juice, this bread, is a symbol of Jesus' broken body and shed blood for us. And, and Jesus said this, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Do it in light of me. And, and as we kind of just think about and dwell on it, I just wanna pray. Jesus, thank you for your broken body shed blood for us. God, I pray for a fresh revelation that we would know it was us that put you there, but it was your sacrifice that saved us. So God, right now, as we partake of this wafer symbolizing your broken body, I pray for a fresh revelation in our spirits and in our minds that your broken body was broken for us so we could be made whole pray for anybody in this place that needs a physical healing in their bodies. You were made broken so we could be made whole. I pray you would touch their bodies. And God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's, let's partake of the, of the bread together. Lastly, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This juice here symbolizes the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Scripture emphatically says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Perfect blood was shed for us. Jesus, thank you for your shed blood. Jesus, thank you that it should have been our blood. But you shed it for us. 
So God, we think about that and we dwell on that. And God, we love you and are grateful and thankful for your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink together. We're just going to go right now back into a time of singing and thanking God. Whatever business you need to do with God, let this be a time right now that the praise rises up out, out of us of thankfulness and gratefulness for all that Christ has done for us.
here thankful for the cross this morning. Come on, Lifehouse. Thankful for God's goodness and grace and love for us found in the cross, Jesus. We just thank you once, once again, sealing our spirits in our hearts, the sacrifice you made for us. Let us live not just thankful for the cross. Let us live not just emotionally driven by it. Let us live logically in light of it. That if you went through what you went through for us, there's nothing that we can't go through, that we can't come out victorious in. That we can look to the cross and it'll shoot adrenaline into our souls. It'll shoot hope into our souls. It'll shoot victory into our souls. As we go through this life full of craziness and tragedy and trials, let us base our love for you on what you did on the cross, not our circumstances. So Jesus, we thank you for what you've spoken to us today, what you've done in us today, and we'll give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. Come on, Lifehouse, one more time. Let's just let Jesus know how grateful and thankful we are. Yes. God is good, isn't he, Life, Life House? He is good, man. You can sit down really, really quick. Come on.